Book Two, Chapter Three of Amelia, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Libby Gone. Amelia by Henry Fielding. The narrative continued. More of the touchstone booth made a proper acknowledgment of miss matthew's civility and then renewed his story we were upon the footing of lovers and amelia threw off her reserve more and more till at length i found all that return of my affection which the tenderest lover can require my situation would now have been a paradise had not my happiness been interrupted with the same reflections i have already mentioned had i not in short concluded that i must derive all my joys from the almost certain ruin of that dear creature to whom i should owe them this thought haunted me day and night till i at last grew unable to support it i therefore resolved in the strongest manner to lay it before amelia one evening then after the highest professions of the most disinterested love in which heaven knows my sincerity i took an occasion to speak to amelia in the following manner too true it is i am afraid my dearest creature that the highest human happiness is imperfect how rich would be my cup was it not for one poisonous drop which embitters the whole oh amelia what must be the consequence of my ever having the honour to call you mine you know my situation in life and you know your own i have nothing more than the poor provision of an ensign commission to depend on your sole dependence is on your mother should any act of disobedience defeat your expectations how wretched must your lot be with me oh amelia how ghastly an object to my mind is the apprehension of your distress can i bear to reflect a moment on the certainty of your foregoing all the conveniences of life on the possibility of your suffering all its most dreadful inconveniences what must be my misery then to see you in such a situation and to upbraid myself with being the accursed cause of bringing it to you suppose too in such a season i should be summoned from you could i submit to see you encounter all the hazards the fatigues of war with me you could not yourself however willing support them a single campaign what then must i leave you to starve alone deprived of the tenderness of a husband deprived too of the tenderness of the best of mothers through my means a woman most dear to me for being the parent the nurse and the friend of my amelia but oh my sweet creature carry your thoughts a little further think of the tenderest consequences the dearest pledges of our love can i bear to think of entailing beggary on the posterity of my amelia on our oh heavens on our children on the other side it is possible even to mention the word i will not must not cannot cannot part with you what must we do amelia it is now i sincerely ask your advice what advice can i give you she said in such an alternative would to heaven we had never met these words were accompanied with a sigh and a look inexpressibly tender the tears at the same time overflowing all her lovely cheeks i was endeavouring to reply when i was interrupted by what soon put an end to the scene our amour had already been buzzed all over the town and it came at last to the ears of mrs harris i had indeed observed of late a great alteration in that lady's behaviour towards me whenever i visited at the house 
nor could i for a long time before this evening ever obtain a private interview with amelia and now it seems i owed it to her mother's intention of overhearing all that passed between us at the period above mentioned mrs harris burst from the closet where she had hid herself and surprised her daughter reclining upon my bosom in all that tender sorrow i have just described i will not attempt to paint the rage of the mother or the daughter's confusion or my own here are very fine doings indeed cries mrs harris you have made noble use amelia of my indulgence and the trust i reposed in you as for you mr booth i will not accuse you you have used my child as i ought to have expected i may thank myself for what hath happened with much more of the same kind before she would suffer me to speak but at last i obtained a hearing and offered to excuse my poor amelia who was ready to sink into the earth under the oppression of grief by taking as much blame as i could on myself mrs harris answered no sir i must say you are innocent in comparison of her nay i can say i have heard you use dissuasive arguments and i promise you that they are of weight i thank heaven one dutiful child and i shall henceforth think of her my only one she then forced the poor trembling fainting amelia out of the room which when she had done she began very coolly to reason with me on the folly as well as iniquity which i had been guilty of and repeated to me almost every word i had before urged to her daughter in fine she at last obtained of me a promise that i would soon go to my regiment and submit to any misery rather than being the ruin of amelia i now for many days endured the greatest torments which the human mind is i believe capable of feeling and i can honestly say i tried all the means and applied every argument which i could raise to cure me of my love and to make these the more effectual i spent every night in walking backwards and forwards in the sight of mrs harris's house where i never failed to find some object or other which raised some tender idea of my lovely amelia and almost drove me to distraction and don't you think sir said mrs matthews you took a most preposterous method to cure yourself alas madam answered he you cannot see it in a more absurd light than i do but those know little of real love or grief who do not know how much we deceive ourselves when we pretend to aim at the cure of either it is with these as it is with some distempers of the body nothing is in the least agreeable to us but what serves to heighten the disease at the end of a fortnight when i was driven almost to the highest degree of despair and could contrive no method of conveying a letter to amelia how was i surprised when mrs harris's servant brought me a card with an invitation from the mother herself to drink tea that evening at her house you will easily believe madam that i did not fail so agreeable an appointment on my arrival i was introduced into a large company of men and women mrs harris and my amelia being part of the company amelia seemed in my eyes to look more beautiful than ever and behaved with all the gaiety imaginable the old lady treated me with much civility but the young lady took little notice of me and addressed most of her discourse to another gentleman present indeed she now and then gave me a look of no discouraging kind and i observed her colour change more than once when her eyes met mine circumstances which perhaps ought to have afforded me sufficient comfort 
but they could not allay the thousand doubts and fears with which i was alarmed for my anxious thoughts suggested no less to me than that amelia had made her peace with her mother at the price of abandoning me for ever and of giving her ear to some other lover all my prudence now vanished at once and i would that instant have gladly run away with amelia and have married her without the least consideration of any consequences with such thoughts i had tormented myself for near two hours till most of the company had taken their leave this i was myself incapable of doing nor do i know when i should have put an end to my visit had not dr harrison taken me away almost by force telling me in a whisper that he had something to say to me of great consequence you know the doctor madam very well sir answered miss matthews and one of the best men in the world he is and an honour to the sacred order to which he belongs you will judge replied booth by the sequel whether i have reason to think him so then he proceeded as in the next chapter end of book two chapter three